to Power in Prayer by C.H. Spurgeon. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. John 15, verse 7. The gifts of grace are not enjoyed all at once by believers. Coming unto Christ, we are saved by a true union with Him, but it is by abiding in that union that we further receive the purity, the joy, the power, the blessedness which are stored up in Him for His people. See how our Lord states this when He speaks to the believing Jews in the 8th chapter of this Gospel at the 31st and 32nd verses. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on Him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We do not know all the truth at once. We learn it by abiding in Jesus. Perseverance in grace is an educational process by which we learn the truth fully. The emancipating power of that truth is also gradually perceived and enjoyed. The truth shall make you free. One bond after another snaps, and we are free indeed. You that are young beginners in the divine life may be cheered to know that there is something better still for you. You have not yet received full recompense of your faith. As your hymn puts it, it is better on before. You shall have happier views of heavenly things as you climb the hill of spiritual experience. As you abide in Christ, you shall have firmer confidence, richer joy, greater stability, more communion with Jesus, and greater delight in the Lord your God. Infancy is beset with many evils from which manhood is exempt. It is the same in the spiritual as in the natural world. There are these degrees of attainment among believers, and the Savior here incites us to reach a high position by mentioning a certain privilege which is not for all who say that they are in Christ, but for those only who are abiders in Him. Every believer should be an abider, but many have hardly earned the name as yet. Jesus says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. You have to live with Christ to know Him, and the longer you live with Him, the more you will admire and adore Him, yes, and the more you will receive from Him even grace for grace. Truly He is a blessed Christ to one who is but a month old in grace, but these babes can hardly tell what a precious Jesus He is to those whose acquaintance with Him covers well nigh half a century. Jesus and the esteem of abiding believers grows sweeter and dearer, fairer and more lovely day by day. Not that he improves in himself, for he is perfect, but that as we increase in our knowledge of him, we appreciate more thoroughly his matchless excellences. How glowingly do his old acquaintances claim, yea, he is altogether lovely. Oh, that we may continue to grow up into him in all things who is our head, that we may thus prize him more and more. I call your earnest attention to our text, begging you to consider with me three questions. First, what is this special blessing? You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Secondly, 
How is his special blessing obtained? If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Then thirdly, why is it obtained in this way? There must be a reason for the conditions laid down as needful to obtaining the promised power in prayer. Oh, that the anointing of the Holy Spirit which abides on us may now make this subject very profitable to us. 1. What is his special blessing? Let us read the verse again. Jesus says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Observe that our Lord has been warning us that, severed from him, we can do nothing. And therefore we might naturally have expected that he would now show us how we can do all spiritual acts. But the text does not run as we should have expected it to run. The Lord Jesus does not say, Without me you can do nothing. But if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall do all spiritual and gracious things. He does not now speak of what they should themselves be enabled to do, but of what should be done unto them. It shall be done unto you. He doesn't say strength. Shall be given you sufficient for all those holy doings of which you are incapable apart from me. That would have been true enough, and it is the truth which we looked for here. But our most wise Lord improves upon all parallelisms of speech and improves upon all expectancies of heart, and says something better still. He does not say, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall do spiritual things, but you shall ask. By prayer you shall be enabled to do, but before all attempts to do, you shall ask. The choice privilege here given is a mighty prevailing prayerfulness. Power in prayer is very much a gauge of our spiritual condition, and when that is secured to us in a high degree, we are favored as to all other manners. One of the first results then of our abiding union with Christ will be the certain exercise of prayer. You shall ask, if others neither seek, nor knock, nor ask, you, at any rate, shall do so. Those who keep away from Jesus do not pray. Those in communion with Christ is suspended, feel as if they could not pray. But Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask. Prayer comes spontaneously from those who abide in Jesus. Even as certain oriental trees without pressure shed their fragrant gums. Prayer is a natural outgushing of a soul in communion with Jesus. Just as a leaf and a fruit will come out of the vine branch without any conscience effort of the branch, but simply because of its living union with the stem. So prayer buds and blossoms and fruits out of souls abiding in Jesus. His star shines. So do abiders pray. It is their use and their second nature. They do not say to themselves, Now it is the time for us to get to our task and pray. No, they pray as wise men eat, namely when they desire, for it is upon them. They do not cry out as under bondage. It is time I ought to be in prayer. But I do not feel like it. What a weariness it is. But they have a glad errand at the mercy seat and they rejoice to go upon it. Hearts abiding in Christ sent forth supplications as fire sent out, flames and sparks. Souls abiding in Jesus open a day with prayer. Prayer surrounds them as an atmosphere all day long. At night they fall asleep praying, 
I have known them even dream a prayer, and at any rate, tear able joyfully to say, when I awake, I am still with you. Habitual asking comes out of abiding in Christ. You will not need urging a prayer when you are abiding with Jesus. He says, you shall ask, and depend upon it, you will. You shall also feel most powerfully the necessity of prayer. Your great need of prayer will be vividly seen. Do I hear you say, what? When we abide in Christ and his words abide in us, have we not already attained? Far are we, then, from being satisfied with ourselves. It is then that we feel more than ever that we must ask for more grace. He that knows Christ best knows his own necessities best. He that is most conscious of life in Christ is also most convinced of his own death apart from Christ. He who most clearly discerns the perfect character of Jesus will be most urgent in prayer for grace to grow like him. The more I see what it is to be in my Lord, the more I desire to obtain from him, since I know that all that is in him is put there on purpose that I may receive it. Of his fullness have we all received in grace for grace. It is just in proportion as we are linked to Christ's fullness that we feel the necessity of drawing from it by constant prayer. Nobody needs to prove to an abider in Christ a doctrine of prayer, for we enjoy the thing itself. Prayer is now as much a necessity of our spiritual life as breath is of our natural life. We cannot live without asking favors of the Lord. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask, and you shall not wish to cease from asking. He has said, Seek you my face, and your heart will answer your face, Lord, will I seek. Note next that the fruit of our abiding is not only the exercise of prayer in a sense of the necessity of prayer, but it includes liberty in prayer. You shall ask what you will. Have you not been on your knees at times without power to pray? Have you not felt that you could not plead as you desired? You wanted to pray, but the waters were frozen up and would not flow. You said mournfully, I am shut up and cannot come forth. The will was present, but not the freedom to present that will in prayer. Do you then desire liberty in prayer so that you may speak with God as a man speaks with his friend? Here is the way to it. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. I do not mean that you will gain liberty as to mere fluency of utterance, for that is a very inferior gift. Fluency is a questionable endowment, especially when it is not attended with weight of thought and depth of feeling. Some brethren pray by the yard, but true prayer is measured by weight and not by length. A single groan before God may have more fullness of prayer in it than a fine oration of great length. He that dwells with God in Christ Jesus, he is a man whose steps are enlarged in intercession. He comes boldly because he abides at the throne. He sees the golden scepter stretched out and hears the king saying, Ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. It is a man who abides in conscious union with his Lord who has freedom of access in prayer. Well, may he come to Christ readily, for he is in Christ and abides in him. Do not attempt to seize this holy liberty by excitement, a presumption. There is but one way of really gaining it, and here it is, if 
you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. By this means alone shall you be enabled to open your mouth wide, that God may fill it. Thus shall you become Israel's, and its princes have power with God. This is not all. The favored man has a privilege of successful prayer. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. You may not do it, but it shall be done unto you. You long to bear fruit. Ask, and it shall be done unto you. Look at the vine branch. It simply remains in the vine, and by remaining in the vine, the fruit comes from it. It is not done unto it. Brother in Christ, the purport of your being, its one object and design is to bring forth fruit to the glory of the Father. To gain his sin, you must abide in Christ as a branch abides in the vine. This is a method by which your prayer for fruitfulness will become successful. It shall be done unto you. Concerning this manner, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. You shall have wonderful prevalence with God in prayer. Insomuch that before you call, he will answer. And while you are yet speaking, he will hear. The desire of the righteous shall be granted. To the same effect is the other text. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. There is a great breath in this text. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. The Lord gives the abider, carte blanche. He puts into his hand a sign check and permits him to fill it up as he wills. Does the text mean what it says? I never knew my Lord to say anything he did not mean. I am sure that he may sometimes mean more than we understand him to say, but he never means less. Mind you, he does not say to all men, I will give you whatever you ask. Oh no, that would be an unkind kindness. But he speaks to his disciples and says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. It is a certain class of men who have already received great grace at his hands. It is to them he commits this marvelous power of prayer. Oh, my dear friends, if I may covet earnestly one thing above every other, it is this, that I may be able to ask what I will of the Lord and have it. The prevailer in prayer is a man to preach successfully, for he may well prevail with man for God when he has already prevailed with God for men. This is a man to face the difficulties of business life. For what can baffle him when we take all to God in prayer? One such man as this, or one such woman as this in a church is worth 10,000 of us common people. In these we find the peerage of the skies. In these are the men in whom it is fulfilled God's purpose concerning man, whom he made to have dominion over all the works of his hands. The stamp of sovereignty is on the brows of these men. They shape the history of nations. They guide the current events through their power on high. We see Jesus with all things put under him by the divine purpose, and as we rise into that image, we also are clothed with dominion and are made kings and priests unto God. Behold Elijah with the keys of the rain, swinging at his girdle. He shuts or opens the windows of heaven. There are such men still alive. Aspire to be such men and women. I beseech you that to you the text may be fulfilled. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. The text seems to imply that if we reach this point of privilege, this gift 
shall be perpetuity, you shall ask. You shall always ask. You shall never get beyond asking. But you shall ask successfully, for you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Here we have the gift of continual prayer. Not for the week of prayer. Not during a month's conference. Nor upon a few special occasions shall you pray prevalently, but you shall possess his power with God so long as you abide in Christ. In his words, abide in you. God will put his omnipotence at your disposal. He will put forth his Godhead to fulfill the desires which his own spirit is inwrought in you. I wish I could make this jewel glitter before the eyes of all the saints till they cried out, Oh, that we had it. This power in prayer is like the sword of Goliath. Wisely may every David say, There is none like it. Give it me. This weapon of all prayer beats the enemy, and at the same time enriches its possessor with all the wealth of God. How can he lack anything to whom the Lord has said, Ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. O come, let us seek this gift. Listen and learn the way. Follow me while by the light of the text I point out the path. May the Lord lead us in it by his Holy Spirit. But secondly, the privilege of mighty prayerfulness, how is it to be obtained? The answer is, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Here are the two feet by which we climb to power with God in prayer. Beloved, the first line tells us that we are to abide in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is taken for granted that we are already in him may be taken for granted in your case, dear hearer. If so, you are to abide where you are. As believers, we are to remain tenaciously clinging to Jesus, lovingly knit to Jesus. We are to abide in him by always trusting him and him only with the same simple faith which joined us to him at the first. We must never admit any other thing or person into our hearts confident as our hope of salvation. But rest alone in Jesus as we have received him at the first, his Godhead, his manhood, his life, his death, his resurrection, his glory at the right hand of the Father. In a word, he himself must be our heart's sole reliance. This is absolutely essential. A temporary faith will not save. An abiding faith is needful. But abiding in the Lord Jesus does not only mean trusting in him, it includes our yielding ourselves up to him to receive his life, and to let that life work out its results in us. We live in him, by him, for him, to him. When we abide in him, we feel that all our separate life is gone, for you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ. We are nothing if we get away from Jesus. We should then be branches withered and fit only to be cast into the fire. We have no reason for existence except that which we find in Christ, and what a marvelous reason that is. The vine needs a branch as truly as a branch needs a vine. No vine ever bore any fruit except upon its branches. Truly it bears all the branches, and so bears all the fruit. But yet it is by the branch that the vine displays its fruitfulness. Thus, are abiding believers needful to the fulfillment of their Lord's design. Wonderful thing to say, but the saints are needful to their Savior. The church is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. I want you to recognize this, that you may see your blessed responsibility. 
your practical obligation to bring forth fruit, that the Lord Jesus may be glorified in you. Abide in him. Never remove from your consecration to his honor and glory. Never dream of being your own master. Be not the servant of man, but abide in Christ. Let him be the object as well as the source of your existence. Oh, if you get there and stop there in perpetual communion with your Lord, you will soon realize a joy a delight, a power in prayer, such as you have never seen before. There are times when we are conscious that we are in Christ, and we know our fellowship with him, and oh, the joy and the peace which we drink from this cup. Let us abide there. Abide in me, says Jesus. You are not to come and go, but to abide. Let that blessed sinking of yourself into his life the spending of all of your powers for Jesus and the firm faith of your union with him remain in you forever. Oh, that we might attain to this by the Holy Spirit. As if to help us to understand this, our gracious Lord has given us a delightful parable. Let us look through this discourse of the vine and its branches. Jesus says, Every branch in me that bears fruit, he purges it. Take care that you abide in Christ when you're being purged. Oh, says one, I thought I was a Christian, but alas, I have more troubles than ever. Men ridicule me. The devil tempts me, and my business affairs go wrong. Brother, if you are to have the power in prayer, you must take care that you abide in Christ, when the sharp knife is cutting everything away. Endure trial, and never dream of giving up your faith because of it. Say, though he slay me, yet, Will I trust in him? Your Lord warned you when you first came into the vine that you would have to be purged and cut closely. And if you are now feeling the purging process, you must not think that some strange thing has happened to you. Do not rebel because of anything you may have to suffer from the dear hand of your heavenly Father, who is the husbandman of the vineyard. No, but cling to Jesus all the more closely. Say, Cut, Lord, cut to the quick, if you will, but I will cling to you. To whom should we go? You have the words of eternal life. Yes, cling to Jesus when the purging knife is in his hand, and so shall you ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Take care also that when the purging operation has been carried out, you still cleave to your Lord. Notice the third verse. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. Abide after cleansing where you were before cleansing, when you were sanctified. Abide where you were, when you were first justified. When you see the work of the Spirit increasing in you, do not let the devil tempt you to boast that now you are somebody, and don't need to come to Jesus as a poor sinner and rest in his precious blood alone for salvation. Abide still in Jesus. As you kept to him when the knife cut you, keep to him now that the tender grace begin to form. Do not say to yourself, What a fruitful branch I am! How greatly I adorn the vine! Now, I am full of vigor. You are nothing, and nobody. Only as you abide in Christ, are you one whit better than the waste wood which is burned in the fire? But do we not make progress? Yes, we grow. But we abide. 
We never go an inch further. We abide in him, or if not, we are cast forth and are withered. Our whole hope lies in Jesus at our best times, as well as at our worst. Jesus says, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. Abiding him is to all your fruitfulness. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you, except you abide in me. Here then I have something to do, cries one. Certainly you have, but not apart from Jesus. The branch has to bear fruit. But if the branch imagines that it is going to produce a cluster, or even a grape, out of itself alone, it is utterly mistaken. The fruit of the branch must come forth of the stem. Your work for Christ must be Christ's work in you, or else it will be good for nothing. I pray you, see to this. Your Sunday school teaching, your preaching, or whatever you do must be done in Christ Jesus. Not by your natural talent can you win souls, nor by plans of your own inventing can you save men. Beware of homemade schemes. Do for Jesus what Jesus bids you do. Remember that our work for Christ, as we call it, must be Christ's work first, if it is to be accepted of him. Abide in him as to your fruit-bearing. Yea, abide in him as to your very life. Do not say, I've been a Christian man now 20 or 30 years. I can do without continued dependence upon Christ. No, you could not do without him. If you were as old as Methuselah, your very being as a Christian depends upon your still clinging, still trusting, still depending. And this he must give you, for it all comes from him and him alone. To sum it all up, if you want that splendid power in prayer of which I spoke just now, you must remain in loving, living, lasting, conscious, practical, abiding union with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you get to that by divine grace, then you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. But there is a second qualification mentioned in the text, and you must not forget it. And my words abide in you. How important, then, are Christ's words. He said in the fourth verse, Abide in me, and I in you. And now as a parallel to this, it is, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. What then are Christ's words and himself identical? Yes, practically so. Some talk about Christ being the master, but as to the doctrine, they do not care what his word declares. So long as their hearts are right towards his person, they claim liberty of thought. Aye, but this is a mere subterfuge. We cannot separate Christ from the Word, for in the first place, He is the Word. And in the next place, how dare we call Him Master and Lord, and do not do the things which He says, and reject the truth which He teaches. We must obey His precepts, or He will not accept us as disciples, especially that precept of love, which is the essence of all of His words. We must love God and our brethren. Yea, we must cherish love to all men and seek their good. Anger and malice must be far from us. We must walk even as he walked. If Christ's words abide not in you, both as to belief and practice, you are not in Christ. Christ and his gospel and his commands are one. If you will not have Christ and his words, neither will he have you nor your words. But you shall ask in vain.
He shall by and by give up asking. He shall be calm as a withered branch. Beloved, I am persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though I thus speak. Oh, for grace to pass through these two leaved gates, these two golden doors, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, push through the two, and enter into this large room. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. But thirdly, it is my last work to try to show why this privilege should be so obtained, this extraordinary power of prayer. Why is it given to those who abide in Christ? May what I have to say encourage you to make a glorious attempt to win this pearl of great price. Why is it that by abiding in Christ and having his words abide in us, we get to this liberty and prevalence in prayer? I answer first because of the fullness of Christ. You may very well ask what you will when you abide in Christ, because whatsoever you may require is already lodged in him. Good Bishop Joseph Hall worked out this thought in a famous passage. I will give you the substance of it. Do you desire the grace of the Spirit? Go to your Lord's anointing. Do you seek holiness? Go to his example. Do you desire pardon of sin? Look to his blood. Do you need mortification of sin? Look to his crucifixion. Do you need to be buried to the world? Go to his tomb. Do you want to feel the fullness of a heavenly life? Behold his resurrection. Would you rise above the world? Mark his ascension. Would you contemplate heavenly things? Remember his session at the right hand of God, and know that he has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. I see clearly enough why the branch gets all at once while it abides in the stem, since all at once is already in the stem, and is placed there for the sake of the branch. What does the branch want more than the stem can give it? If it did want more, it could not get it, for it has no other means of living but by sucking its life out of the stem. Oh, my precious Lord, if I want anything which is not in you, I desire always to be without it. I desire to be denied a wish which wanders outside of yourself. But if the supply of my desire is already in you for me, why should I go elsewhere? You are my all. Where else should I look? Beloved, it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and the good pleasure of the Father is our good pleasure also. We are glad to draw everything from Jesus. We feel sure that as what we will, we shall have it, since he has it ready for us. Oh, beloved, be filled with God's word. Study what Jesus has said, what the Holy Ghost has left on record in this divinely inspired book. And in proportion as you feed on the word and are filled with the word and retain the word in your faith and obey the word in your life, in that proportion you will be a master in the art of prayer. You have acquired skill as a wrestler with a covenant angel in proportion as you can plead the promises of your faithful God. Be well instructed in the doctrines of grace, and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, that you may know how to prevail at the throne of grace. Abiding in Christ and his words abiding in you are like the right hand and the left hand of Moses, which were held up in prayer, so that Amalek was smitten, Israel 
was delivered and God was glorified. Let us go a little further. You still may say you do not quite see why a man who abides in Christ and in whom Christ's words abide should be allowed to ask whatever he wills, and it shall be done unto him. I answer you again. It is so because in such a man as that there is a predominance of grace which causes him to have a renewed will, which is according to the will of God. Suppose a man of God is in prayer and he thinks that such and such a thing is desirable. Yet he remembers that he is nothing but a babe in the presence of his all-wise Father. And so he bows his will and asks a favor to be taught what to will. Though God bids him ask what he wills, he shrinks and cries, My Lord, here is a request which I am not quite clear about. As far as I can judge, it is a desirable thing, and I will it. But Lord, I am not fit to judge for myself, and therefore I pray you give not as I will but as you will. Do you not see that when we are in such a condition as this, our real will is God's will? Deep down in our hearts we will only that which the Lord himself wills. And what is this but to ask what we will, and it is done to us? I am not quite done. A man will succeed in prayer when his faith is strong, and this is the case with those who abide in Jesus. It is faith that prevails in prayer, the real eloquence of prayer is a believing desire. All things are possible to him that believes. A man abiding in Christ, with Christ's words abiding in him, is eminently a believer, and consequently eminently successful in prayer. He has strong faith indeed, for his faith has brought him into vital contact with Christ. And he is therefore the source of every blessing, and may drink to his full at the well itself. Such a man once more will also possess the indwelling of the Spirit of God. If we abide in Christ, and his word abides in us, and the Holy Spirit has come and taken up his residence in us, and what better help in prayer can we have? Is it not a wonderful thing that the Holy Ghost makes himself intercession in the saints according to the will of God? He makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. What man knows the mind of a man save the spirit of a man? The spirit of God knows the mind of God, and he works in us to will what God wills. So that a believing man's prayer is God's purpose reflected in a soul as in a mirror. Beloved friends, do not hear this sermon and then go away and forget it. Try to reach this place of boundless influence. What a church would we be if we were almighty in prayer? Dear children of God, do you want to be half-starved? Beloved brethren, do you desire to be poor, little, puny, dribbling children who will never grow into men? I pray, aspire to be strong in the Lord and to enjoy this exceedingly high privilege. What an army would you be if you had all this power with God in prayer? It is within your reach, children of God. Only abide in Christ and let his words abide in you and then this special privilege will be yours.